Hello and welcome to the Church Society podcast. I'm Ros Clark, I'm the Associate Director of Church Society and I'm your host here on these podcasts. This week I'm delighted to be joined by Kirsty Baguette yeah. once again. Kirsty's uh, still doing some work for us as our theological consultant here at Church Society, particularly helping us as we respond to the Living and Love and Faith resources uh, that were published a few weeks ago. And Amanda Robbie, who's been a regular on the podcast since its uh, beginning. Amanda, uh, you'll know... Uh, if you've been watching before, is a vicar's wife in West Bromwich. She's a member of Church Society Council, but she's also involved in the CEEC. Amanda, I wonder if you could just begin by telling us what CEC is, uh, what what they do, and how you are involved in it. Okay, so um, CEC is the Church of England Evangelical Council, and it was founded uh, some time ago by John Stott. Um, <laughs> as a as a organization to bring together evangelicals around the country particularly linking diocesan evangelical fellowships and it also in its current constitution links together um uh, evangelical organizations like church society new wine um, evangelical mission agencies lots of different bodies who send representatives to a annual meeting to make some policy decisions about things that evangelicals would like to see um, worked on, and they're worked on, have been worked on historically by the working group of which I am a member. So, um, I I became elected. I'm an elected member from our area, and I'm, then I've been involved in the working group, which has produced various resources, made various decisions over the last. I've been doing it, I don't know, five years maybe. Oh, yeah. So you're not there officially as our church society representative. No. Uh, Lee uh, Gatiss is, is normally part of that. And uh, this past year when Lee was on sabbatical, I went along sort of in his place, although not really with any official uh, capacity. But there are, there are quite a number of other church society types who are involved in CEC, like you as a, a sort of area representative, but also with, with different roles uh, that they play in the church as well. So it's something that as church society we um, not only support but are actually part of, we are constituent members of CEC. So um, in the last uh, few months or so, I mean I know this is obviously a thing that we've been anticipating for a long time and CEC have been thinking about for a long time. Just give us an idea of what CEC have been doing to prepare for and respond to the Living and Love and Faith material, Amanda? And um, so there's a few things. We, we have got our own theological consultant, Martin Davey, who is preparing with Peter Walker some theological responses. Uh, so there's that. Martin often uh, does work for CEC and does various theological things. Um, but more especially, there has been a film produced under our banner, uh, which has been out freely available on YouTube since mid-November called The Beautiful Story. And uh, that has been uh, the major thing, I guess, that has been noticeable this year. Yeah, so The Beautiful Story. So I uh, was invited to be part of the, the filming for that over the summer. And, and if you've watched it, I mean, I, I sort of skimmed through those bits, but there are bits where I'm there hiding the fact that I spilt my tea all down my jumper on the day of filming and, you know, trying to act all nonchalant at the point where um, 
Uh, so it was Vaughan Roberts, who was the other side of the camera, asking the questions. And at one point, I'd answered the question, and he, he looked at me and said, Ross, that was great. Now can you do it again without saying the word gospel? And honestly, it was like being on just a minute. It was... <laughs> It was so hard. So I think we gave up on that idea and I was allowed to use whatever words I, I needed to use. Um, but one of the things that was exciting about The Beautiful Story and the fact that CEC produced it, rather than, say, Church Society, was just the wide range of people that were involved. Is that representative of CEC as an organisation? Uh, yes, absolutely. So we, um, we had um, people from uh, all brands of... Uh, Orthodox evangelicalism, um, complementarians, uh, egalitarians, uh, ordained women, um, uh, a, a real mix of people, uh, sort of ordinands and and clergy, laity. There was a real mix. It was it was such an encouragement to see, and people who are spread around the country as well, from the north, the south. Yeah, yeah, yeah I agree. I thought that was that was really noticeable in the, the breadth of it. And what were you hoping that the, the video would do or who were you hoping would watch it and what sort of responses did you think it might encourage? Yeah, so the, the main aim of the video was to equip evangelical Anglicans uh, to be confident of uh, the Bible's teaching on sexuality, our... Um, the sort of overarching story, particularly rather than the sort of clobber verses that people usually go to, um, to have confidence that they're not alone, because often people feel the way the culture is going, that they can't speak about um, uh, a belief that in marriage being only for men and women or um, and uh, and sex being only for that, for that marriage. Um, so just to give people confidence and to see their leaders, some of their leaders they would recognise standing up and being counted yeah. as saying that publicly. And uh, yes, that yeah, was, it was I to agree. encourage evangelicals. I yeah. think that, I think I was particularly encouraged just to see a number of bishops uh, willing to stand up and say those things so publicly. And I think some of them have taken some criticism for doing so, but, but have done so really boldly. Um, Kirsty, have you seen the Beautiful Story uh, video? I have, yes. And what did you make yes. of it? Was it the sort of thing that Amanda uh, was uh, suggesting? Did that feel like... Um, it was achieving those kind of goals? Uh, absolutely, yes. Yes, I did enjoy it. And I did enjoy seeing the range of people mm. who were involved in it. This is not just a niche uh, extremist kind of view. It is a, a broad stream biblical view that's being expressed and, and one that sadly so many people don't really know about. It's not just because culture itself has moved on from a Christian understanding of life, but so many teachers, uh, churches don't really yeah. explain what the Bible says, you know, for various reasons. Yeah. Um, so it was great to see how clearly it was explained by a range of people and also just the fact that there are, there are different ways of, of being gay, of, of being same-sex attracted. It's not just one model of, of how people feel or how they think. Yes, I agree. I thought that was really nice. Amongst all the sorts of different sorts of diversity, there were people there who were same-sex attracted themselves, people who were single for other reasons, people who might, you know, and it, it wasn't just one kind of person getting to tell an individual story, but actually um, to contribute together. Yeah, Amanda. And of course, um, it is the current 
teaching and doctrine of the Church of England, right. what yeah. was portrayed yeah, in the right. beautiful story. This is, as I say, it's not something extreme. It is what the Church of England actually believes yes. and actually teaches and holds to. Yeah, and, and it is also the teaching that is reflected in some of the LLF materials. Yes, yes, absolutely. So that that's what the film was and that's what it was hoping to achieve. I mean, I think it was would be fair to say at CEC you perhaps weren't expecting quite so many, many millions of views on YouTube. Well, 36,000 30, 36, 36, to date okay, or over 36,000. But... but CEC resources don't always get quite that sort of level of engagement, do they? No, that that's a vast <laughs> understatement, Ros, yeah. So um, those have not all been positive. What what sort of responses have has it got? Well, I, yes. I mean, it, um, it has been shown to a number of Darson Evangelical Fellowships around the country. The response from people there has been overwhelmingly positive and thankful. And, you know, such an encouragement to hear people just saying, this is brilliant, I can use it with my PCC, I can show this to my church. I'm so encouraged to hear this. Thank you. Um, But yes, um, yeah, it sort of went viral in the Church of England. So, you know, 36,000 views is not a huge YouTube viewing, but for anything in the Church of England, it's been viewed a lot more times than the LLF uh, trailer, certainly on YouTube views. (laughs) Yeah, so people may have seen the LLF trailer on the Church of England website or in other places, perhaps yes, that aren't counted, but nonetheless, yeah, it, um, it, yeah. So, um, yeah. So I think um, there was a sort of lot of shock that it was that presentation of a view on marriage which people disagree with, mm. I guess, mm-hmm. and a sort of disappointment that it had it was so well done. I don't know if people were disappointed it was well done, but there was a, yeah. I think there was a shock that something had been organised by CEC because quite often mm. we've just we've put written materials out on the website, people haven't really used them, they've not been visible, but to, a, a, I guess, a younger generation, a more visual generation, that mm. it, it was much mm. more visible. And I wonder if actually, um, even compared to this time last year, it will have had more of an impact, just because people of other generations as well, and people who have not been used to yeah. living on the internet and viewing stuff on the internet, actually are now much more comfortable with that. So, you know, it may have spread much further even than, than a year ago, perhaps. Yeah, yes. I think at CEC, we, we sort of debated when we were going to make it public. It has been sort of privately viewed for quite a while um, in order to equip well, not to derail LLF, that wasn't our reasoning. We wanted to make sure that people were encouraged to engage with LLF, but we also didn't want to delay the release of the public release for people to see so that, that they didn't feel equipped. So yes. it was a sort of balancing act. And obviously some mm. people think we got that wrong. And yes, I think it's been very difficult because the publication of LLF itself has been delayed and, it, you know, the, the date at which that was due to come out has been changed um, a number of times. And I don't think it's particularly been an easy job to, to work with that changing timeline um, for anyone. We've seen um, a number of really quite unpleasant 
responses, not just to the beautiful story, but to some of the things uh, that we've put out uh, on Church Society blog and our YouTube channel, things that Lee has written particularly, but also a bit uh, about some of the things that Kirsty's written for us and our previous podcast uh, on the issue. Um, one, one of the comments I saw quite recently about the beautiful story was that all it shows is that there is a diverse range of bigots in the Church of England. And bigot is certainly a word that, that I've seen bandied around a lot, um, most often homophobic bigots, but, you know, yeah. of all varieties of, of bigot and um, a lot of very unpleasant language, um, certainly not a lot of um, people expressing their views in a way that makes me think they're interested in sitting down having a conversation to listen to people of other views and engage with them and hear and reflect on those together. Kirsty, when people are responding in that sort of way, you know, that isn't um, rational engagement with arguments or even civil discourse with people we disagree, but actually just quite um, visceral kind of anger expressed quite unpleasantly how how does that make us feel and how do we respond to that as christians what can we yeah is there a way of engaging at all um well as for how does it make us feel i know how it makes me feel is it's just horrible i i i i go home and cry it's just an awful way to be responded to and i think um I mean, and it's easy to say something like, well, you're just name calling or something like that. But that doesn't get to what people's visceral anger really is. I mean, what what we need to ask is, is why are people so angry about something that expresses a different viewpoint? Uh, and I think part of it is we're not very good in our culture these days of expressing different viewpoints. So much of what's on the media as examples is um, hostile opposition. I mean, even you know the way politicians speak to each other, the way people are interviewed, it's all about finding the emotive, hostile thing to, to respond. It's not, it's very rare to see an example of uh, a genuine, reasoned, uh, reasonable conversation about different points of view. Part of it, I think, is the social media itself doesn't yeah. help in this way. It's interesting, I was reading a, an article by, from New Atlantic this morning on um, the dangers of Facebook. They were talking about the dangers because it's so big and because it's so um, uh, algorithmic in the way it deals with people. So it doesn't actually promote global understanding and communication, quite the contrary, because people only get fed what the algorithm thinks they ought to get fed. Um, and I, but I also think it doesn't help and somehow it makes people feel like they're not talking to real people mm. in a way that in, if you're in a room with someone, you can see the effect that your comments are having on them. And, and maybe for some people that wouldn't make any difference, but for a lot of people it, it does. Uh, it, when it's through the electronic means, somehow um, that just gets lost. Yes. And, and yeah. I think so that's people very interesting. One of, one of the things I think I do sense quite a lot in this sort of discourse is genuine surprise and shock that some people still think the biblical position is valid and the traditional view should be held on to. And, and you can see how if you're living, 
you know, if you're going to a church where that's what's taught or it's not taught at all, but also you're part of a, a social circle, particularly then an online social circle where you're constantly having that message reinforced. And we've seen this, haven't we, with, you know, elections and, and politics and all sorts, where people assume that they are getting a, a balanced view of what society thinks, where in fact what they're getting is a very narrow view of what people who agree with them think. Yeah. And I think mm, yeah. that, yes, that you you hear people saying this differently, and you're like, how can you? You must be outrageous. Yeah. You must be the exception. Have you not heard? Yes. And yeah, Amanda. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say Twitter is not the country which people learned <laughs> over Brexit and over the election. Yes. And Twitter yes. is definitely not the Church of England. Yes, mm. so I think that's exactly We need to right. remember that. <laughs> we, yeah. we certainly do. And that there is still, I mean, there may not be a silent majority, but there may be a majority that we are just not being able to hear, even if they're, mm. they're saying that. And I think um, some of the, the sort of responses of despair that mm. I'm seeing, I do wonder how influenced they are by a particular sort of social media view which isn't representative of the church uh, the other the other thing is uh, i was saying earlier that i think it's um it's about where you see your identity as well mm. so if your identity is bound up in your sexual identity um and the, you know this is the whole thing now you know the identity politics the, the whole thing um and and you find that's different to other people who who are christians whose whose identity isn't necessarily bound up with how they see themselves as sexual beings primarily, um, there's this big mismatch and it's, yeah, it's really hard. I've, you know, I've read quite articles and people's tweets and th those, those responses are not coming out of a, they're coming out of a place of real hurt and distress and a complete inability yeah. to see someone else who has a different identity. And you can um, see how if you've had to put fight for a particular kind of identity, whether that's a, to do with your sexuality or your gender or whatever else it might be, how you would feel that even more strongly, that, that it must be something that, that people respect and honour and let you have because you've had to fight for it, because it's been difficult to own that for yourself. And, and so again, people's responses are going to be very emotional and very strong um i don't think that necessarily means however they need to be abusive or ungodly in the way that that some people's um do seem to have been yeah yeah i do also think that people have maybe um have a different view of godliness mm. so that you know the mm -hmm. sort of um you know what swearing is what yeah. you know whether it's acceptable to talk coarsely or yeah. or or to speak in that sort of quite rough way yes i think that's but, probably true and i think also again we we bump into don't we the the nature of the church of england as an established church and so people may be identifying themselves as christian identifying themselves as part of the church of england or even if they're not, but they still feel in some way it's a, a church they have a right to speak mm. about, to have some kind of stake in or ownership of. Um, and so you do get a broader group wanting to be engaged in that discourse than you might in a different kind of church um, denomination. Mm. If um, people are feeling very got at, whether online or offline, if they're feeling very... Um, under attack, they're finding it hard 
to stand up for what they know to be true when they know it will um, get these kinds of responses. What might we say to, to people who are just feeling like it's all too much and they just want to run away and hide? How could we encourage them? Well, if, if people are feeling really hurt, yeah. uh, think about heaven is actually yeah. Yeah. A, a good thing to do. I mean, Richard Baxter recommended that Christians think about heaven for half an hour every day. Uh, it is what puts it into context in all sorts of ways. I mean, we want to be in heaven and we want to be there with as many people as possible, which is why we speak up at all. I mean, we don't want to offend people just for the fun of it. Uh, we want people to be there in heaven with us. And if there's anything that might prevent them, we want them to know about it. Um, but also our sufferings now are nothing to be compared with the joy that we will have there. And that's for anyone. I mean, that's yeah. for anyone struggling with problems of identity who feels that it is bigots who are abusing them. I, I feel so sorry. Uh, you know, I... I wish there was some way that we could just resolve this all peacefully but people are going to be hurt in all sorts of ways in this world as much as we try to prevent it and we need to see it in the context of a bigger story which by the way is also the psychological advice mm. for dealing with uh, any kind of suffering Interesting. Uh, or, or pain in this world it's it's putting it in the context of a bigger story that will give it a more transcendent meaning. Wonderful. I've been reading uh, Tim Chester's uh, Advent Devotional Fixated, along with, I think, many people this Advent, and I've really enjoyed that because it is fixing our eyes on Jesus, and every day you just get him drawing out a different aspect of who Christ is from the first few chapters of the book of Hebrews, and that reminder, what you know, whatever you're feeling, if you're feeling fragile one day or you know scared another day or whatever it is fix your eyes mm. on Jesus and and I found that helpful Amanda are you going to say something there I, I was actually I was going to say something much more practical is <laughs> if you are feeling really overwhelmed you know you can go come off Twitter yeah. for the rest <laughs> yes. until after Christmas you know <laughs> that's fine you don't yes. have to engage yes. you know it's much less likely that you're going to be dealing with it you know at your front door or in your church in your community than really online helpful. so if online is too much shut Turn it off. down or you know stop the stop the alerts from that facebook yes, group that you're in that's definitely. absolutely fine yes mute facebook groups mute even individual posts if you're just like i don't need to hear any more of that conversation i muted on my twitter back in about march words like coronavirus and covid and i have to say i don't think if I had if I had not done that, I don't think I would have got through 2020. You don't have to hear the same news being tweeted into your Twitter stream yeah. every five yeah. minutes and read it again. And, and you started time. an you excellent sort of you started an excellent refreshing Facebook group, didn't yes, you, Rose? Exactly. Sort of um, if anyone pictures would like to be in a Facebook group, <laughs> well, mostly what we talk about is beautiful scenery and you know lovely things. Uh, then uh, it's called space and I can let you join that space to be free of uh, all of the awful things that have happened this year. So I think that's right. Uh, building in positive, good things into your life, setting those limits. If you're on Facebook, have an alarm that turns off after 20 minutes or 15 minutes or whatever it is that so you go away and talk to a real person or, you know, yeah, put in some control over some of that. Have we seen... Um, 
any encouraging responses? Think people perhaps that you weren't necessarily expecting to speak out positively or ways in which people have, um, uh, yeah, taken on the material and thought, no, this is a good way of engaging with it, um, either to the, the CEC material or to the LLF material itself. Have you come across anything that you thought, yeah, that's a really good model or something to be encouraged? Absolute silence. I, I, so uh, one of the, uh, yeah. I have been to several Zoom DEF meetings yes. and I was very encouraged by one, one chap who said um, he's in a very sort of mixed congregation with people with different views and he actually felt that the beautiful story was something he could show to his congregation with different views because it sort of um, it give, maybe gives them a picture of um, an orthodox view of marriage and sexuality and so on that they might not have heard before. Yeah. And I think he felt that it would be easy to show to them. That's great. Um, so that's that great. Really and I think sometimes, you know, I, I do think it's a minister's responsibility to be regularly teaching their congregation about this because it's something where we do think very differently from the rest of the world at the moment. But it isn't always easy, particularly if you're if you've only been in your church for a little while, if they've not had that sort of teaching before. And sometimes to use material that other people have produced can just help make that a little bit easier um, and I hope that some of the, the church society resources that we're producing um, this uh, teaching series you are not your own um, Kirsty, I think you're uh, involved in that as well and I'm doing mm -hmm. one and, and other members of our staff again one of our goals with that is to help either ministers who want to prepare a series but don't want to have to start from scratch give them an idea of what they might include but also in churches where people think, oh, I can't do that, but maybe I could show two or three of those little short four or five minute mm -hmm. videos to my PCC or a smaller group or whatever. Um, yeah, to, to yeah. give people easier ways of, of doing some of that work. And it is interesting the impact that video has. Mm -hmm. And maybe it is part of seeing people as well as, you know, just yeah. hearing or, or just uh, looking at a text that it does... Uh, inform people's uh, kind of world of, of what is a real voice in the world, of, of what are the real options. Um, actually seeing real people, that, 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 that's, I, I think that that's the only way we can, can kind of reduce this shock value of, uh, I, I had no idea people still thought that. Yeah. Well, you know, real people do. Yeah. And they're ordinary people like you. They're not um, monsters who want to persecute people. Yes. So, yeah. No, I agree. And I think that's one reason why I'm encouraged that, that as far as I can tell, most dioceses have said, let's try and wait in, until we're able to have these groups in person before we start having discussions. I don't think that's happening everywhere, but I think a lot have said these will be much better conversations if people can be physically in the same room. And I think that's exactly right. Mm -hmm. It's much harder to shout loudly and rudely about a particular viewpoint if there's a nice little 70 year old woman sitting in your group with her knitting saying well that's what I think you know you have to at least be polite to her even if you do disagree with her um so yeah yeah I think I think that that the whole sort of um lockdown experience so on has, yeah. has has been such a reminder that that when we're not physically present with each other that that disconnect happens more and more and online you know online text is even more distant mm. and yeah i think yeah. If, if we i don't know what we're doing in our diocese it's not i don't think it's been announced i, I yet. don't think it's been announced either um what would we 
love to see by way of response from from evangelicals but also from others what what would we love to see you know the the materials are out there the courses there the books the podcasts the videos what sort of attitude and yeah um ways of approaching that might be most positive and most helpful do you think if you were advising a bishop what to do in their diocese maybe well i i mean i think you know llf actually one of the things i think it does well is that it it, it, it's very keen on people listening well and engaging well and i think i heard um ed shaw use the phrase better mannered conversations Mm. well-mannered conversations and that's what we want to be able to do we want to be able to sit and Mm. have the listen to people and hear their stories of course but also Mm. to have them listen to us and Mm. I think I mean it is it must be exhausting if you're um um LGBT or you're um same-sex attracted your story is being asked all the time because they're Mm. they're a small minority and they're always being asked so I can understand it's exhausting to be telling this again but um yeah i guess that is part of the sort of burden of of that (laughs) i don't Mm -hmm. i don't know quite how to say but i would love to hear those stories and yeah yeah, i think i think we just all need to be good at listening slow to speak quick to listen slow to speak and slow to become angry yeah yes yeah well that would be a good thing for us all to be aiming for in the next Mm. year wouldn't it yeah i don't know kirsty whether you have any um thoughts on what would be good and encouraging ways to see people responding to or or reacting to the material yeah i think getting to talk to people and in relatively small groups Mm. so that you you can actually be listening to and responding to uh, a person that you can get to know a little bit um yeah i mean christianity is a very personal religion it's about relationships um and that's what we want to promote yeah Yes, absolutely. And we, we want to be part of that family, even when, you know, families are, are hard quite a lot of the time, mm. aren't they? Um, and I, I think it's good for us to, to think about, you know, we talked earlier, or I talked earlier a little bit about the kind of shock some people were having that, that people thought the same way that, that we do. But I, I think also there will be evangelicals who've been in good evangelical churches all their life who may never have sat down and listened to somebody who is same-sex attracted or who is in a same-sex relationship or who is transgender talk about their story and their faith and and I think it's easy for us to characterize those people as you know in a particular sort of belligerent kind of way but I I think important for us to hear that they are real people and to hear people say, look, I, I didn't choose to yeah. be like this. Yeah. Um, this is not a political statement I'm making. Yeah. This is this is the way I am. I think yeah. that can be really helpful too. Yeah, and, and I genuinely am trying to, to honour the Lord with, with my life as best I can, but this is how I've understood he's calling me to do that. And, mm. you know, we, we may think they are mistaken in, in that, but to hear that as a genuine... Um, sense of seeking I'm I'm certain is true in, in very many cases um, mm. um, so yeah I think it it is important for us to be hearers um, and learners in that as much as uh, speakers and and sharers yeah mm. um, one other big thing that is going to happen next year 
not just as part of this process, but but in a related sort of way, is that there will be the delayed general synod elections. So they were due to happen in 2020. They were delayed because of coronavirus, but they will be happening in 2021. Um, CEC, uh, I know, had produced a lot of very helpful resources a year or so ago. Um, are, are those resources Back in still the dark there? ages, yeah. <laughs> And what, just yes, yes. How people could get involved in that process. Okay, there's a there's a uh, there's a uh, there's a website. If you go to the main cec.info website, website link in, yeah, in the, the website says there's a website about general synod. We can give you all sorts of help. Um, that all the DEFs are you know ready to um, inc- help people to stand. Please stand. Uh, please stand. Um, and make sure there are plenty of people standing. Offer yourselves to serve the Church of England, yeah. and to um, and to equip the Church to reach England for the glory of God. You know, yeah. that, you know, General Synod could make some really strategic decisions to uh, enable evangelism and to equip people to. Uh, There's going to be a lot Christ, of big yeah. decisions, aren't there? And one of the things we're seeing all over the country from dioceses is the the financial situation suddenly looking pretty chaotic and I imagine the same is is sort of true in central church and and general synod are going to have a really significant role in in thinking about how the church responds to that and deploys resources um if you're somebody who thinks there's no way I could possibly stand for general synod for all sorts of really good and valid reasons um is there anything else they could usefully do to be involved in that process so if you on uh, if your church doesn't have any deanery synod reps which should have been elected by now but if your church has just said oh we won't bother with deanery synod just volunteer because yeah. you will be an if you're laity you will be an elector for deanery synod if you are clergy make sure that your deanery synod reps vote yeah. come the general synod elections that very low voter turnout yes. for those elections so you have an opportunity to really make a difference um pray for yeah everyone being elected see if you can serve your df in some ways there there are various um groups in dfs um helping to get that organized um brilliant if you don't yeah, know and who the who to contact about a, a def in your diocese that's on the cec website you isn't could, it? yeah you can get, mail us straight through the cec website brilliant. and um the secretary will efficiently Put you email you back and put you in touch yeah. with the right person great and and DEFs are made up of clergy as well as laity anyone mm. who's interested can be involved um and ours uh, only recently got going again a couple of years ago but it's been such an encouraging uh, time yeah. we had a meeting a few weeks ago on zoom with like 50 or 60 people there I think weren't there Amanda it was really yeah easily yeah and um it's just great you know um we're a very dispersed diocese <laughs> yeah. and it was just great to see people from sort of all these little places round about um, tiny villages that Christian believers there. It's just, yeah, yeah. it's great. So, so it's really worthwhile thing to do. And definitely make sure, if you're not sure, talk to your vicar. Have we filled our complete complement that we're allowed of deanery synod reps? You don't have to ever even go to a deanery synod meeting. But if you uh, stand as a rep, then you will be, as Amanda says, uh, in a position to vote for general and synod if, reps. If you're a vicar, make sure your paperwork is filed and your deanery synod reps are registered. Yes. These are mistakes that have been made yeah, in the past. Absolutely. Get on all the paperwork. Um, and as Amanda says, remember to actually vote. And if you're not sure who to vote for, um, again, talk to your DEF and they'll be able to give you some some help on, on who will be a good person to represent your views in general synod. So uh, lots 
uh, that we don't know about what's going to happen next year. Lots to pray for. Um, lots to pray for that we will continue uh, to model as graciously as we can the gospel in our manner um, as much as in our words as we engage uh, with all of these different things. Thank you both uh, for all the work that you are doing uh, for Church Society and in other uh, contexts and no doubt uh, we will look forward to welcoming you back on the podcast uh, in the not too distant future. <laughs> Happy Christmas everyone else. Thank you. And to Bye. you. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas.